jump right to it because I know y'all ready to sit down. Amen. I don't get to sit down. <laughs> oh, bless God. Hallelujah. I need to get back in that fitness class. <laughs> Let's turn our Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 3 and we're going to read uh, verses 10 through 14 and then uh, you can take your seats. Hallelujah. It says, let's read this together. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Lord God, we thank you so much today for your word, for this time in your presence. Thank you, God, for making this a house that you love to visit. God, we honor and reverence your presence here today. We thank you, Father God, that as I open my mouth and speak, you'll speak. The people won't even see me, Father God, because they'll be so captured by your words. God, I thank you that everything I speak honors and glorifies you, strengthens and edifies your people now. In Jesus' name, amen. Mean, if you'll help me, I know it takes a minute for the Passion Translation, but if you'll pull up uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 13. And I'll give you a little bit of background on this message. Um, the week the roof was being put on here at the sanctuary and the other buildings, uh, I was asleep. Pastor was outside doing his praise and worship, and uh, I had the most vivid dream that I've ever had. Now, I'm not a dreamer. The Lord, he doesn't speak to me all the time by dreams, and very rarely do I even remember my dreams. But this dream was so real and so vivid that I couldn't help but remember it. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't shake it. I mean, as soon as pastor came in the house, I'm like, hey, Listen to what came to me as I was sleeping. And, and when a dream comes to you like that, you can't go back to sleep. So you got up and I was like, Lord, what are you saying? And he said, do what you saw in that dream. Well, 1 Peter, not 1 Peter, if you'll give me uh, 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry. Chapter 2 and verse 13 in the Passion. It says, and, and this is a word that was spoken over to me by Dad Durber, pastor myself, and um, I never go before the people without meditating this, but I like it when he brings things to pass. He says, and we articulate these realities with the words imparted to us by the Spirit and not with the words taught by human wisdom. We join together Spirit-revealed truths with Spirit-revealed words. So this, this, this message is spirit revealed. So here's, here's how the dream went. 
I was invited to speak somewhere downtown. It was, it was downtown, I, I, I know downtown. And it was a, a rather industrial kind of building. And at first, uh, it was going great. But then all of a sudden, there was this great disruption. And I had to be moved. The, the place where I was to be preaching, uh, I don't know what reason, but you got to move. So they kept moving me. And they kept moving me from this place to that place and to this place and to that place. I'm like, what's going on? I mean, I'm here to preach. But that's okay. So finally, we ended up like in an outside place. It had like a kind of overhang on it. And the Lord said, okay, go ahead and preach. Well, everybody came out, and I could recognize some faces, and, and they were, people were sitting in chairs. And I remember the podium, because we used to have it at the church. It was that black rickety podium that had the wheels. <laughs> and what was so interesting about that podium was, over here was Barbara, over here was Elise, and I finally got myself situated, and I went to my text in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. The Lord said, preach 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Well, Barbara would take the podium, and she'd pull it over to her. And when she pulled the podium over to her, my Bible would flip. The pages would literally flip. So I'd be this way. Well, then Elise was over here, and she would take the podium and swing it back over her way. <laughs> and she would have me read as she flipped my, turned the podium, my Bible would flip from 2 Peter chapter 3 to 1 Peter chapter 3. And, and that, this little shh, shh. And so I finally get situated. I'm like, okay, okay. And I got ready to preach, and the Lord said, tell my people this. And I woke up. So today, I want to tell you what Jesus said to tell you. He's coming back. He is. Thank you for putting that title up correctly. He is. All caps. He is coming back. Think on that for a minute. When's the last time you thought about that? Exactly right. And when I came, when Pastor came in the house and I told him the dream, he was outside in his worship time and his prayer time, and the Lord was ministering to him about the same thing. And I said, God, I'll do it. He says, tell them. Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back, Barbara, for a certain kind of person. That's what you kept dealing with. You wanted to hear more about our walk, our conversation, our behavior. But Elise kept pulling it. And she wanted to know, well, what do I do in my everyday life? And there was this just, tell me more about the holiness and the godliness, and you were, tell me more and more about how to walk this out. And I'm like, so when I walked away, I thought about their personalities. And that's exactly, and I said, God, you know, and I saw the hunger on YouTube. It was just like a, I mean, it was a, I'm like, well, y'all stop. I wasn't getting agitated, but I'm like, what are y'all doing? Well, y'all, but as you kept going and kept going, God began to articulate things to me that were not things I've been taught. 
that were not things that I knew before he breathed this message. So it's him. He listens. If you've never listened to me, I'm telling you today, he is. And see, the body of Christ, I think what, what, what made this so, I mean, memorable for me, is that I remember one Sunday, pastor praising and we were dancing a lot like we did this morning. And he kind of began to admonish us because we don't think about Jesus' return. We don't think about, in the body of Christ, how many people are, are, are having Jesus coming back conventions? But yet and still, that's supposed to be our blessed hope. That's supposed to be the thing that we're seeking more than anything else. But the truth of the matter is the body of Christ is seeking so many more other things than the return of Christ. We talk about everything else but what is supposed to be that one thing that separates us from every other person on the face of the earth. And that's our relationship with Jesus, his relationship with us, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and, and his return. So we're going to talk about it this morning. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 3, and I'm going to need you to bear with me because I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to go to the Philip's New Testament, and I, you've got to look at the verses we read in context. So they'll be up on the screen, and I'll read them, and I'm going to read the chapter. Oh, this is boring. Just think about the book of Ezra. He read all of the law. With babies in the room, people, adults, teenagers, so you can do it. It says, this is the second letter. This is Peter. The second letter I have written to you, dear friends of mine. And in both of them, I've tried to stimulate you as men with minds uncontaminated by error. He says, I'm, I'm writing this letter to fix your thinking. It says, by simply reminding you of what you really know already. For I want you to remember the, the words spoken of old by the prophets, as well as the commands of our Lord and Savior given to you through his messengers. So he says, you know this already, because it's what the prophets of old prophesied about. He says, but I'm here to stimulate you a little bit to get all of the error out and to force you to start thinking about those things again. He says, first of all, you must realize, you must realize that in the last days, mockers will undoubtedly come. Look at this. Men whose only God in life is what they want for themselves, and they will say, what has happened to his promised coming? Since the first Christians fell asleep, everything remains exactly as it was since the beginning of creation. They speak out of their ignorance. I thought God said he was coming back. It ain't been enough already happening in the earth realm for him to return. We've not seen wars and rumors of wars, diseases and pestilence. Where is your God? Now, they might not be that bold, but they might be that one that's sitting next to you in the dryer at the beauty salon that says stuff like, well, you know what? You do all of this Jesus talking, all of this Jesus walk, but where is it profiting you? Where is God when da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da happens? It says they are 
deliberately, shutting their eyes to the fact that we know very well that there were, by God's commands, heavens in the old days and an earth formed out of the water and surrounded by the water. It was by the water that the world of those days was deluged and destroyed. So they lie and say the earth is the same as it was from the beginning of creation. They're lying and they're ignorant. Because God himself, we already know from Genesis chapter 6 through chapter 8, that the world that we knew was already destroyed once. We call it the flood. All right? It says, but the present heavens and earth are also by God's commands. So the same way the old heavens and the old earth passed away by God's command. These new heavens and earth also by God's command are being kept and maintained for what? For fire of the day of judgment and the destruction of wicked men. So he is keeping this earth. Sustaining this earth by his command so that in the end, when he has had enough and everything has been fulfilled, that this earth that we know today is going to be destroyed by fire. Now, do I have to worry about God's wrath and his destruction? No. It tells me right there, for wicked men, I'm not wicked. So I do not have to fear the coming judgment of God, all right? It says, but you should never, he's talking to us now, Lose sight of this fact, dear friends, that time is not the same with the Lord as it is with us. To him, a day may be a thousand years, and a thousand years only one day. Do you know how many years they worked on cloning a sheep, a ewe lamb, or whatever you want to call it? God did it in one day spoke it and it was. They still haven't perfected it because they can clone but they can't cause it to reproduce. Not naturally. So don't get caught up in time, all right? It's not that he, he is dilatory or that he's slack or lazy or not coming, okay, about keeping his promise as some men may seem to think. The fact is that he is very patient towards us. Anybody glad God was patient? That he didn't come back in 2003? That he didn't come back last year? That he didn't come back in 85? That he didn't come back yesterday? Hallelujah! Stimulate yourselves about this. Oh. Look at this. He has no wish that any man should be destroyed. He wishes that all men should come to repent. Yet it remains true that the day of the Lord will come as suddenly and unexpectedly as a thief. In that day, the heavens will disappear in a terrific tearing blast. The very elements will disintegrate in heat and the earth and all that is in it will be burnt up to nothing. See, he's trying to shift our thinking because all the things we think about are going... going to be destroyed. The car you work so hard for, the house you work so hard for, the job you labor for, come on! All of your little hobbies and your interests and your, your, the things that keep us out of church. 
keep us too busy to pray, that keeps us too greedy to fast, all of those things, our Instagram, our Facebook, come on now, our Twitter, it's going to all burn up and there will be no trace of it. Now think about what gets your time. Think about what gets your time. Think about what you thought about all night long when you weren't sleeping. It's going to be destroyed, burnt up to nothing. He says the elements, the elements as we know it, carbon, nitrogen, oxygen, xenon, nothing. That's the kind of heat we're... Never lose sight of the eternal world. Never lose sight of what really matters. The kingdom realm. His kingdom will rule and reign forever. This realm that we're so caught up in, in view of the fact that all these things are going to be dissolved, Barbara, they're going to be dissolved. What sort of person, what sort of people ought you to be? Surely, surely, men of good and holy character who live expecting and earnestly learning, longing for the coming day of God. True. This day will mean that the heavens will disappear in fire and the elements disintegrate in fearful heat. But our hopes are not set on these things, but on the new heaven and the new earth which he has promised us and in which nothing but good shall live. Nothing but good shall live. Because my dear friends, you have a hope like this before you. I urge you to make certain that such a day would find you, look at how this day is supposed to find us, at peace with God and man, clean and blameless in his sight. Meanwhile, consider that God's patience is meant to be man's salvation. As our dear brother Paul pointed out in his letter to you, written out of the wisdom God gave him, in that letter, and indeed in all his letters, he referred to these matters. So Paul, Peter's referencing Paul here. Paul wrote about all of this stuff. He's a man, every one epistle uh, you look at from Paul, some kind of way he's going to sneak in that eternal message. All right? It says, he says, these, of course, there are, of course, some things which are difficult to understand and which unhappily ill-informed and unbalanced people distort as they do the other scriptures and bring disasters on their own heads. So he's talking about those mockers. They're unhappy. When people come to you talking about God in a negative way, start asking them, why are you so miserable? Why are you so, I ain't miserable. Yeah, you are, because you're spending a lot of time trying to talk me out of what has changed my life. You're spending 
a lot of time trying to convince me to turn my back on what has changed. Why are you so what? But you, my friends, whom I love, are forewarned and should therefore be careful not to be carried away by the errors of wicked men and so lose your proper foothold. So let's get out of our minds that I got saved when I was five, I'm automatically going to heaven. Let's let that go. Let's let that go. Because right there in verse 11, he asks us this question, what kind of person ought you to be if you want to spend eternity with me? On the contrary, you should grow in grace and in your knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to him be glory now and until the dawning of the day of eternity. Amen. Amen. What kind of persons ought we to be? Because Jesus is. And I'm telling you, all of those ones who are questioning about, well, when, and he said he was coming back then, and my grandmama and my great-grandmama now said, you better be glad. Because his long-suffering and his patience is salvation. Salvation, as we learned on Wednesday night from Pastor O'Shawn, is not us being snatched up out of this world so we don't have to deal with it anymore. No, it's us growing in the grace and growing in the knowledge of God. So during this span of time that we have, come on now, we're working out our own soul's salvation. His patience is. Is salvation. So to God, can I tell you something? Our conduct matters. Oh, well, the great people say, oh, just as I am, it's no big deal. This is who I am. No. Your conduct matters. How we behave must indicate our expectation and eagerness for Christ's return. How I behave how I interact with others, how I conduct myself in public, how I conduct myself in private, should tell myself, God, and the world that I'm in expectation and eager for Christ's return. Everything about everything about us ought to speak to that blessed hope. Everything about us ought to be saying, I'm believing God. Is go I don't, listen, back in the day at my old church, they used to say, don't let him catch you with your work, son, Don. Now, we weren't working to be saved. They might have meant that. But now with our understanding, we know that we don't want to be caught unprepared for his return. Thinking that I've got time. Young people, you don't have time. We know the season. And the stage is set. The stage is set. The stage is set. The only thing holding up Christ's return is the church. That's the only thing holding up Christ's return. Everything, okay, Matthew 24. Everything that needed to take place, turn over there. And we're just going to go down an end times checklist. Matthew chapter 24. 
Jesus is coming back. Let's start at, uh, look at verse 8. No, nope, I'm going to go up. Go to 3. I got time. You're right, sir. Matthew 24 and verse 3. And, and, and as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, this is Jesus, the disciples came unto him privately saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus said unto him, he's going to tell him. See, Jesus doesn't keep secrets from us. Jesus does not keep secrets from, he's coming like a thief, not to us. He does not keep secrets from his disciples. It says, tell us what it's going to look like. What is it going to be like when the end of the world comes? And Jesus answered. He didn't say it ain't for you to know. He answered. Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Have many come already and said they are the Christ? Check. Check. And you shall hear of wars? Check. And rumors of wars? Check. And uh, see that ye be not troubled, for all of these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. All right? For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines, and pestilences, and earthquakes in diverse places. Pestilence diseases. Ebola. Hepatitis A. HIV. They're here. All right? And all these things are the beginning. I ain't come to church for this. We danced, and now you're going to tell me. We are those who are eager and expect his return. Amen? These are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted. Check. Say you're Christian in the world today. And shall kill you. Check. All over the world, missionaries being killed. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Check. Even in America. The nation started for religious freedom and Christians are being persecuted for believing in Christ in America. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Check. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And, be, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Check, 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 check. Well, wait, wait, where they at now? They was running for Jesus with a mighty burning fire. They done. 
They gone. Their love waxed cold. I'm a lover of Jesus. I'm a praiser. I'm a dancer. Well, I ain't seen you praising a month and a half. What's up? Love is waxed cold. Oh, I love Jesus. I'm a praiser. I'm a dancer. I'm a worshiper. I'm a preacher. I'm a minister. I'm a, I'm a dancer. I ain't seen you in prayer now time this year. My God. Well, I'm praising at the house. That's not where he said praise. Love just waxed cold. And not for no reason. Because of iniquity or sin, it's abounding. I ain't a sinner. Ah, oh, yeah, let me look at your life. Tell me what you ate last night. Tell me what you drank last night. Tell me where you went last night. Tell me what you thought about. But, verse 13, he that shall endure until the end, he that shall endure. Continue until the end. The same shall be saved. And this gospel, look at this, of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, comma. And then the end shall come. That's the only thing we're working on. Is verse 14. It's the church who's holding back the return of Christ. If we would go ahead and get our business straight cause time is winding up, he can come on and come back and I can go and check out my mansion. Mansions. So he's concerned about our conduct. So the stage is set for his return. But we've got to get our conduct to a place where it says that I am eager and expecting and excited about his return. Go back to 2 Peter chapter 3. And let's go right to verse 14. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for uh, such things, be diligent that you be found of him that you be found of him, not of yourself. Don't be self-proclaimed at peace, spot, and blameless. And a lot of us are deceiving ourselves because we think we're at peace without spot and blameless, okay? Let's see what those words mean. That word peace, we know it in this house, G1515, Irene. It's a state of national tranquility, exemption from the rage and havoc of war, Look at number two, peace between individuals. That is harmony, concord. Number three, security, safety, prosperity, felicity, because peace and harmony make and keep things safe and prosperous. Are you at peace? Yeah, this, ain't, this ain't a public problem. This is self-reflection internal. We got to be found to him at peace. Hmm. Is there a war raging on the inside of me? Is there havoc in the inside of me? Everywhere I go, am I causing problems, causing confusion, causing conflict? Is my name always in the midst of trouble? Am I the one that keeps throwing the wood on the fire that keeps the strife going? No, I'm just saying, what manner of persons ought we to be? 
at peace with God and man. The next one was to be without spot. Without spot. Y'all stay with me. We excited. It's the same pastor. It's the same pastor, Kim. Smaller girl. Aspilos, spotless. Metaphorically speaking, free from censure or irreproachable. Can't nobody say nothing about you. If they got something to say, they lying. They got to make it up. They got to make it up. Are you free from vice, unsullied? Oh. Now that's where it gets. That's where it gets a little hairy right there. Because when you talk about a person's vice, you're talking about their little issue that we have now made a part of our personalities. It's just who I am. But you don't really talk about it publicly because it's not really acceptable. It's just your thing. You know, gambling, that's just my thing. And it's a sin instead of vice. It's just your thing. Pornography, you know, it's just my thing. Drinking. It ain't sin. It's just your thing. It's just your thing. We. It's not legal in some states. Not in Florida, people. Not in Florida. It's just my thing. CBD oil, Kratom, Kava. TV. Well, Pastor went there. That wasn't me, that was Pastor. <laughs> the movies. That rap music. I just like me some Mary J. My vice, we gotta be free from vice. And unsullied, I, I, I'm not dirty. I don't, I, don't, I don't wallow with stuff. We gotta be free from it, ladies and gentlemen. I said we've gotta be free from it. Not cope with it, not deal with it, not force other people to deal with it, not just get along with it, not just, uh, I only talk about that with No, we've gotta be free from it. Free from it. And we've gotta be blameless, blameless. Once again, that cannot be Censured, blameless, amometos. I can't be, there's this, you can't, you can't, can't come at me about anything. At peace, spotless, blameless. Because Jesus is, he is. I said he is. Tell your neighbor that. Talk, talk, y'all gotta talk. He is coming back. Don't look at how I've been acting. He is coming back. Turn over the book of Acts. Oh God, it, oh, this is where it gets good. Cause that was real good. Maybe this is the part you wanna hear. Acts chapter three and verse 19. Ooh, this, ooh. He 
He's coming back, y'all. And he's looking for a certain kind of person. You know what I'm saying? A certain kind of person. See, my children one day will marry. They one day will marry. But almost weekly, maybe three times a week, and my husband will attest to it, it's going to come out of my mouth. Don't bring no garbage home to me. Period. I prayed too many prayers. I've sacrificed too much stuff. I've done too much teaching. I've walked away from too much. For you to bring that home to me, take him somewhere. Well, he said, I don't want to hear nothing about his testimony. Somebody else's daughter. Somebody else's daughter. Not mine. Somebody else's daughter. Not mine. Pastor Kim, that yet? I've got a covenant right with God. I expect when they come to my house and, and, and open my door that there is a certain level of dignity and honor that they're going to bring to my door and put at my table. Well, the Lord is preparing a banqueting table. And you can't come to his table any kind of way. When the bridegroom stands at the altar of heaven, my God, he's looking for a bride to come down the aisle. That just makes him weak and, and say, Father, it was all well worth it. He wants to see a bride come down the aisle that has no spot, that has no wrinkle, that has no blame, that is irreproachable. expectations and it's just not on the on the girls the son can't bring you can't no no don't take that don't know already checked her Instagram no already checked her Facebook no I know her mama and her daddy no I know her auntie and her uncle too no well that's controlling I have an expectation. They can't be any kind of way and they can't come and disrupt ministry. I learned that from Leroy Thompson. If they can't fit seamlessly into this ministry, they're not the right one. Because we serve Jesus. We serve the kingdom. All the time. Your date night interferes with church, you better move your date night. Oh, that's so... Your anniversary conflicts with church, you're best to move the anniversary. <laughs> move it to another month. It's just a date. What, 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 what? Celebrate today, celebrate tomorrow. Happy anniversary with my gift. Let's move on. But God, but God is looking for a bride. I'm 
I've seen a wrinkled bride before. And just as a spectator, it hurt me that your day didn't mean enough for you to pay to have your dress steamed. You didn't even hang it in the bathroom with the steam from the shower and let the, let the, let the, the, the shower work some. I've seen dingy wedding dresses. Hurts me as a guest. I know you got it used, but you couldn't. I know you bought it off the rack, but you couldn't have it dry cleaned. You're going to present yourself that way to the man of your dreams? Young people, go home now and cleanse your Facebook and your Instagrams. Go cleanse them now. See, you got a window. Where ain't nobody going to scroll that far. Go cleanse them now. Because one day, one day, you'll be somebody's bride. You'll be somebody's groom. And their mom and daddy don't want that. Your employer either. Because I'm not afraid to shame. I'm not ashamed. I, listen. My brothers knew you couldn't just bring nobody to me, so you just don't tell me you was dating somebody because my sister about to cut up. I wouldn't come out my room. I wouldn't go to the table. I wouldn't answer the phone properly. Who you, huh? Hey, this phone for you. But we're talking about God. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out, erased, cleansed, removed. When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, when he shows up times of refreshing. Don't you feel refreshed? He showed up this morning. He showed, he showed, he showed up. Well, I ain't feeling, I don't know what's wrong with you. Repent and be converted. Because he showed up. And he told me today he was going to show up. I had one job. I'm like, what am I wearing? 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 Babe, what should I wear? Should I wear this little? Should I wear this? The Lord said, you better put on a cotton shirt and a long skirt. That's what you better do. Because he knew that I was going to dance today. He knew. He knew. He knew. You get me up there sweaty? Put a cotton shirt. He knew I ain't going to fall in these shoes. He gets so nervous. So come. And nobody better not videotape and put that mess. <laughs> Church will laugh. They're going to pass the preaching and fall. <laughs> Chapter 2, verse 20. And he shall sin. Jesus Christ, which was preached before was preached unto you. Keep going for me. Whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things which God hath spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. So this is the discourse when the apostles are going into the temple and the lame man was at the, at the temple and they still wouldn't go have a none. Get up, he got up, he ran, he danced, he leaped. 
and the people were astonished. How in the world is this thing happening? He starts to preach about Jesus. But then he gets into this teaching about Jesus' return. And he said, this is, Peter says, this is what you need to do. You need to repent and be converted so that your sins can be uh, blotted out, so that times of refreshing can come. Times of refreshing shall come at his appearing, at Jesus' presence, all right? So that repent. Metanoel, repent. Change your mind. That's the same way 2 Peter 3 started, right? I want to work on your mind. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to stimulate you to change how you're thinking, it says in the, the Phillips translation. He needs you to change your mind, that is to repent. Look at this, to change one mind for better, heartily to amend with an abhorrence, a hatred of one's past sin. Well, that's just my stuff. No, you got to hate it. That's when you know your mind has changed. You, how you so hard on people? You used to want, you used to, I hate it. Why y'all preach so much about debt? We were in it. We hate it. Why you preach so much about healing and don't get sick and confess? I've been sick. I've watched sick people die. I've watched sick people walk through it. I hate it. You got to hate it. That's what, that's what repenting means. It ain't just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry for what? Because my children, I don't even need to hear I'm sorry. Stop with all that I'm sorry. Stop with all that I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then 30 minutes later, you're doing the same thing. Hush. Just say, ooh, I got caught. I'm going to try harder next time not to get caught. But you're not sorry. You got to change your mind about some things. You got to repent. You got to change your thinking on that thing. It's not just who I am. It's not just what black men do. It's just not what black girls do. It's not just what we do. No, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. So he says, repent, look at, be converted, turn to. So I repent, I hate what I do, I've changed my thinking on it. Now I've got to turn to something. I can't just stay here in this repentant state. Oh, I changed my mind about it. You sure you changed your mind? Did you really change your mind? You changed your mind? You sure you changed your mind? Here, I'll offer the, oh, you should look at it. Just taste it, smell you. See, you give the enemy room to entice you and to deceive you. That's why at the end of that long discord in 2 Peter chapter 3, he says, see that no man deceives you. Because you can get talked out of what you say you believe. When you have not yet grown in the grace and the knowledge of God, you can get talked right out of what you say you believe. Right? But it's not until you convert that you turn to something, to the, to the worship of the true God, to cause to return, to bring back to the love and obedience of God. Look at this one, number two. To be converted, it means to be turned to 
the love for the children. I said, what, that, what in the world that mean, God? He says, you got to be returned to the love of children. Just think on that for a minute. Let the light bulb go off. Our relationship to and with children speaks volumes of our relationship to and with God. I'm just waiting for him to turn 18 and get up out of here. Jesus said, I said, but Jesus said, suffer little children to come unto me and forbid them not. For of such, that's right, for of such is the kingdom. You know, if you've ever read how the prophets, when the prophets did public ministry, why they were so inspired by the Holy Ghost to describe the audience. Mothers were there, nursing mothers, children, suckling babies. Just think about how many times you've seen that when you've read anytime there was a public discourse of who was present in the audience. Mm. Repent and allow a love. It's going to make sense in a minute because I'm going to tell you what the rest of what God said. Allow the love for children. I don't go and do much that my children can't go and do with me. My mama didn't do anything. Okay, yeah, okay. It was the same. They go Sadie and her ducklings. Everywhere she went, we were in tow. She went to get her hair done, we went to. <laughs> I'm just telling you how it was. They played tennis, we played tennis by default. Everybody played tennis. She went to the movies, we went to the movies. They went to dinner, we went to dinner. Y'all remember shells on 34th Street? Used to give you the paper map with all the kind of shells on it. Oh my God, always there with my parents. Weston Sizzler? Sizzler, Ponderosa, they didn't leave us home. And a turn to love, wisdom, and righteousness. Repent, be converted, and then that iniquitous sin, stuff that keep nagging at you, bothering you, it'll be Blotted what? Blotted out. Huh. Now, it says to turn to oneself, this is intransitively, we don't want to do this, to turn oneself about, to turn back, to return, to turn back, to come back. You get it. When you're converted, you turn to something. So in this context, 
we're going to repent. We're going to change our minds about the way we've been conducting ourselves. And then we're going to allow ourselves to be turned back to worshiping God, back to loving children, back to wisdom, knowledge, and truth, right? Now, after that happens, right, there's something that was told to us. Go back to, I'm thinking verse 21. There's going to come something called the restitution of all things. The restitution of all things is what's required before Jesus returns. The restitution. Anybody ever paid restitution? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> My mom worked at the parole and probation office. She knew everybody. <laughs> Had to pay their restitution. But there's a restitution of all things that we're looking for. And I'm telling you, this is the restitution you want. It says restitution is a restoration of all things. It's a true theocracy. A time when God is the head of everything. He's in charge, right? It's the perfect state before the fall. We've got to take our lives all the way back until they look like Eden for God to return. And the only way it's going to happen is if we repent, we be converted, our sins be blotted out, we love the presence of God. Amen? Amen. And then you'll look up, and before long, there will be the restitution of all things. Say all things. All things. A return of all things. We got to get back to Eden so Jesus can return. So that led me, Father, what was Eden like? Father, what was Eden like? What was Eden? What, what restitution of all things, God? My life is supposed to look just like Eden. So I'm going to jump ahead in order to go back. As God was ministering to me through that dream and, and the weeks after, because the conversation didn't stop. We even talked about it one Tuesday in prayer. He said there are four areas that my church has got to get together before we can have Eden again, before I can return, right? Now, we can have Eden here on earth, but the highest level is when he comes back and we are free from everything else in the world. We've got to get our family right, our friendships right, our finances right, and our faith right. We've got to get family right, friendships right, finances right, and faith right for the restitution of all things. So think about Eden. Was Adam's family tight? Absolutely. His Eve, his wife, was taken right out of him. And it was so wonderful. And so turn to Genesis chapter 2. We're going to put your eyes on it so you can go home and, 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 and know this. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 23, Adam says this. This is Adam speaking when he sees his bride. This is Adam speaking when he sees his bride. 
God wants to speak when he sees his bride. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Family type. No schism. No strife. How can it be? How can we argue you taken from me? How can we argue and we are one flesh, one spirit, one soul? How can we not get along? How can we not like the same things? We are one. How you get when you, Pastor Roshan, when you look like that, my God, how can I say no? Still meditating on that one. were his friendships. He had no friends. Oh, yes, he did. He had a perfect fellowship with God himself. He was such good friends with God that God would come down in the cool of the day and just hang out with Adam. He was the coolest dude ever. And can I tell you something else? All the animals loved him. How were his finances? How were Adam's finances? Genesis chapter 2, down there in verse 11, God is describing the topography of Eden, and he says there are these rivers that flow, but then he pauses parenthetically and says, and the gold in that land is good. God had already set up the currency system in the garden. It's gold. And he said, the gold in that land, good. How was Adam's faith? Perfect. He did nothing except the father told him to do it. You see what I'm saying? So a restoration, restitution of all things, us going all the way back to Eden, family, friends, finances, faith, tight. So I said, okay, Father, show it to me again. Isaiah 51. Isaiah 51. Anybody bored? No. Okay, I was just going to tell you to repent and be converted. <laughs> Isaiah 51. Hearken to me, you that follow after righteousness, you that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock which ye were hewn, and the hole of the pit which you were digged. Look unto Abraham. Oh, I love Abraham. Your father, unto Sarah that bare you, for I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. For the Lord shall, oh God, the Lord shall comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. Uh, he will make her wilderness, look at this, like Eden and her desert, like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found therein, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. Hearken unto me, my people. Give ear unto me, O my nation. For a law shall proceed from me, and I will make judgment to the rest for a light of the people. My righteousness is near. My salvation is gone forth, and my arms shall judge the people. The isles shall wait upon me, and on mine arms shall they trust. 
Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look upon the earth beneath. Look, for the heavens shall vanish away like smoke. This is looking at the restitution of all things. First Peter chapter two says that same thing, that the earth and the heavens are gonna vanish away like smoke, okay? And the earth shall wax old like a garment and they that dwell therein shall die in like manner. Those who are not the isles that trust in the Lord, those ones who are going to be judged, they're gonna die in like manner. Look at this now. And they that swallow thee up, oh, I'm sorry, my, but my salvation shall be forever and my righteousness shall not be abolished. Hearken unto me, you that know righteousness, the people in whose heart is my law. Fear ye not the reproach of men, neither be afraid of their revilings. Does that sound now just like 2 Peter chapter 3? Acts chapter 3? Jesus is coming back, but he's not coming back until the church gets herself together. Matthew 24, 14, right? This word has got to be preached in all nations, and then the end will come. Kirk and Toy just went on a missions trip. It's not cheap. It's not cheap. Flights, food, materials. It's pretty hard to preach the gospel with, when they're sitting in those kind of conditions. Hungry, thirsty, no clothes, no shoes. They, Church, where is that? Where is it? My God. What's eating it up? Why can't we take this gospel where it needs to go? Why? Because our families are jacked up, our family, our friends are jacked up, our finances are jacked up, and our faith's jacked up. That's why it can't go. I'm trying. It can't go. So we've got to work on three things. How we relate to others, how we walk in this world, and we must work hard on how we walk with God and his word. And we're going to do them by working on our family, our friends, our finances, and our faith family. Go to 1 Peter chapter 3. Just remember, the Bible kept flipping. 1 Peter chapter 3. That's your chapter and verse 1. That was yours in the, in the tree. That was yours. <laughs> I'm like, baby. Now watch this. Now the truth of the matter is, is to get the family context, and you do this on your own. Tell me you'll do this. Say, I'll do it, Pastor Kim. <laughs> do what? Y'all don't even know. Whatever I tell y'all to do? You gotta read chapters three and chapters four to get this. I'm just gonna give you a context of it, okay? Verse one, likewise you wives. Any wives in the building? Yes. Wave at me, let me see the wives. Of, oh, oh God, Luke, you're not a wife. <laughs> wives, wives, not wise. wives in the building. Ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any not, obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by how you act. 
while they look at your good chest behavior coupled with fear. You're adorning who you are. Let it be more than the latest kinky twist and sister locks. Let it be more than the weave and the yakki and the remy. Let it be more to you than that. Huh. Or how many Alex and Arnie braces you can stack on your wrist. Let it be more than that. The putting on of apparel. More than Louis Vuitton. I want Louis Vuitton. I Louis Vuitton. I'm just dreaming God for Louis Vuitton. Tory Burch fly. I got to get my time. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Let there be more. Not that can't be there. Let there be more to you than that. But let it be the hidden man of the heart, that inner person, that inner man. In that which is not corruptible. You can't get dirty, blame, spot. Even the ornament of a, look at this, a meek and quiet spirit. He gonna hear me, he don't have to hear you. God heard you. Shut up, he don't gotta hear you. Shut up, he ain't gotta hear you. God heard you. Man, that's $50. $50. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women did also, who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed. If you read that in the Passion, Try to find that in the passion for me. Obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are. As long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Even as, oh, they didn't get, oh, for, our, for example, our mother Sarah devoted herself to her husband Abraham. And even called him master. And you have become her daughters when you do what is right without fear and intimidation. Can you pull it in the Amplified Classic? What you say? Oh, master. More hope. Uh, uh, <laughs> We're going back to 1 Peter. That's Jeremiah. 1 Peter 3. There we go. It was, thus, uh, it was thus that Sarah obeyed Abraham. Look at this. Following his guidance and acknowledging his headship over her by calling him Lord, Master, Leader, Authority. And you are now her daughters if you do right and let nothing terrify you. Not giving way. Look at this. Not giving way. Don't get up again. Don't get up again. Sit down. Flag on the play. He went, oh, calling him Lord, master, leader, authority. Calling him. Calling him. Calling him. Calling him. Calling him. Was he always an authority on a subject? No. 
She didn't know everything. But she called him that. <laughs> Tell him you my sister. Tell him you my sister. I know she was thinking in the back of my, man, he gonna know you ain't not my sister. But she let him. She, she Go ahead, Abraham, whatever you say, man. We're going to ride this thing out. Look at this. And you are not become her true daughters if you do right and let nothing terrify you. Let nothing terrify you. Look at this. Look at this. Not giving way to histor hysterical fears or letting anxieties unnerve you. Why do wives act up hysterical fears? I ain't gonna never have nothing. I ain't gonna never get no shoes. I, he ain't gonna never let me have that. I ain't gonna be able to get this. I won't be able to buy that. I'ma be, I'ma, he gonna leave him, and I ain't gonna even know what insurance policy is. Shut up! <laughs> Don't let your right hand know. An older lady told me that. I had recently got married. We were in Atlanta, and bless her heart, my mother at my brother's church, she's going to be with the Lord now, and she said, baby, she gave me a fifth of dollars. She gave me a little $50 bill, and she put it in my hand. And she said, baby, listen to me. You newly married, I'm going to just tell you. Never let your right hand know what your left hand's doing, baby. You put this up. <laughs> I'm thinking you should have told me that before I did direct deposit. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. But you know what? You know what? Being divided don't work. Separate bank account, it doesn't work. Woman wanting the money, it don't work. Oh, yes, it does. No, you have hysterical fears. And anxieties that make you do crazy things. See, we get caught up about, my baby needs you, my baby needs you, my baby needs you, my baby needs you. And you go take the light bill money and get shoes. Because your baby needs shoes. And then it come time to go pay, back in my day, it was Florida Power. Florida Power, and it ain't there. Have y'all ever heard the lights go out? It's very loud. Because it go, whoo. It's very loud. I'll never forget this. Y'all don't know anything about this. But my mom would buy for us. She she gonna buy. She was gonna buy for us. She was gonna buy. So we played tennis, right? So you play tennis a lot, especially on hard courts. Normally the front of your shoe would wear out. But that's okay. Because my daddy found something in a magazine that will fix that. It was called shoe goo. So when you drug your foot, you know, I, I right-handed, so I would drag that foot. Well, that you lose the toe. That was beautiful for him. I was good, yeah. <laughs> you would tear that, that shoe up. So shoe goo. You take it and you squeeze it on the shoe. It was like a, a polyurethane kind of thing. And you just smooth it over that hole, smooth it up. You got at least another month and a half out of those shoes. Now you went to play tennis with a big gob of shoe goo on the front of your But hey, hey, you just practice it anyway. But mama, she's going to get you some shoes. You're going, you're going to, 
Mama gonna buy some shoes. See, I used to have run the finances. Remember that time I ran the finances? It was bad, wasn't it? It was bad. <laughs> I was like, what? And I thought I was being noble because, you know, a lot was going on at the church. And I, I said, here's what you do. You focus on the church. You get the, the church back, all right, and I'll take care of home. I'll, worst thing I could have ever done. I couldn't figure out how to keep nothing right. Because it wasn't my place. Because I've got to honor him as being the head, as being the authority. Not necessarily as being the smartest. Ain't nobody talking about IQ scores here. We're talking about honor and proper alignment. And it's not until the church gets this. See, the reason you won't give him your paycheck is because you're scared you ain't never going to be able to buy a dress. No, for real. That's why. That's why. Before I said I do, my, idea, my, my direct deposit was done. I never came into the marriage with a separate account. He never had to ask me, hey, we need to pay. I have an account now. It's just for groceries. I'm like, this is the biggest waste of time. But I was being obedient. The apostle told me to do something, and I did what he said. But it's just grocery money slide through. Walmart and Publix gets it back. He, yeah, a little more than that. But I'm just telling you the point. I don't, I don't have my check and, and, and put it in this account, and, and I do what I want to do, and he, he worries about the house, but I got my money. Well, he should carry it all. Well, why'd you marry him if you don't trust him with your money? But you trust him with your body, but not with your money? You don't. I just said it. You don't. You don't. You don't. So we got to get the family right. Go to, and I'm going to show you why. Go to 1 Peter chapter 4, because Pastor Kim, you're talking about Jesus is coming back. He is coming back. But we'll look at 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 7, because I told you, you can't just read 3 by itself. Look at this. It says, but the end of all things... Start thinking right about stuff. Be sober. Start thinking right about stuff. Be sober. Why? The end of all things is at hand. Not the end of some things. The end of all things is at hand. We got to get the family right. We got to get the family. Say, I got to get my family right. I got to get my family right. Now, when we talk about family, let, let's get this straight. When you read about family, when God instituted family, he instituted Adam and Eve. Not Adam and Steve. Thank you for helping me. That is not today's message. When did the children come along? After the fall. After the fall. I, I, I submit this to you. Don't have children until this is right, Adam and Eve. And then have the children. Because could you imagine what would happen if an Adam and Eve who weren't together had a Cain with his character? What happens to that family? Then he kills Seth, Abel, 
and bless God, along comes Seth, you, you know, but the family's all, now he's on the run. And it's a mess. When we read about family being uh, structured in the Bible, you don't read nothing about your mom-in-law, except over in the Old Testament, it said a little bit about mothers-in-laws will be against daughter-in-laws. But we know that sometimes gonna happen anywho. Because you didn't marry, But we're talking about the husband and the wife who are one, who are one, and then the children that come along. I'm not talking about the grandmama's stake in this. The grandma ain't got no stake in this. Granddad ain't got no stake in this. Auntie and uncle ain't got no stake in this. They ain't got no voice in this. They ain't got, this right, they ain't got no voice in it. Y'all know I roll with my mama. But when it comes to this unit, I trust her praying for me and this unit. But she's never told me how to treat him, what I ought to say. She's never told me, you ought to go do this, you need to go. No, because she understood her role as a grandmother. Be grand. We get to fussing, I'm finna beat you. She said, ooh, I'm finna go home. <laughs> and then if we're at her house, she says, I can't leave, you're at my house, I'm going outside. Grandmama knows, she's like, oh Lord. She says, I'm going outside. Why? Because that's not the unit ordained by God. God did not ordain this extended family. He ordained this family, that nuclear family. All that out there having a, the church has got to fix this. Too many voices, all right? Now, how our children are to behave in this. If you remember, I'm not off, because Peter himself in 2 Peter 3 said, Paul wrote about all of these things and some very hard things that you don't understand. So go over to Ephesians chapter 5. See, Peter brought Paul into the conversation so I can. She's just all over the Bible. I love the word. Now look, you're going to say the same thing. Husbands in verse 25. Well, you know what? Go to 24. Go to 22. It's going to say it again. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own. Does that sound familiar? 1 Peter 3 and 1, your own husbands. I'm going to throw this in. Do you know what's wrong with our community? It's not bad policing. It's not. It's not racism. It's not. It's our daughters don't have their own husbands. And so they have who was probably somebody else's husband that we've now fathered a brood of children with. And so now we have factored in poverty, crime, suicide, addictions, and all sorts of things because they don't have a husband that they're to submit themselves to their own husband. Pookie wasn't your husband. So Pookie shouldn't have seen that and did that. That's not your own husband. No, you can't put your shoulders out. That ain't your husband. What you walking around with your shoulders out? Well, 
your shoulders out. Well, you wish your shoulders out. He's supposed to. Bobo ain't supposed to see that. That's your husband. Don't put that up. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife. Wives, say that. Say, my husband, my husband is my head. Is my, head. <clears throat> my God. He's my head. <laughs> Y'all cutting up back there. I'm sorry. This the Bible. This the Bible. This the Bible. Even as, look at this, even as, Remember, Peter said, Paul talked about these things in a heavy way that a lot of times could be hard to understand, but not for us. Even as Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. My husband rescues me. Praise God. I couldn't begin to even see how to get out of that debt. Now, I, I had a wisdom on it because Pastor Derber came and taught us about it, and we've heard other teachings on it. And then he began to get the revelation, and he started teaching on it heavy. But the every day, I didn't know how to do because all I think about is groceries, clothes, shoes, cleanliness, laundry. Grocery, clothes, cleanliness, laundry. So he would come and say, hey, 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 not this week. Hey. Not this week. Now, one time he reiterated, not this week, but he doesn't do that anymore. <laughs> you know I got to get you back. But he comes, and, and what happens was, because see, that debt wasn't his. See, when I married him, he had no debt. He had no debt. You created some. We had a little fun, didn't we? We did. But the wisdom came to the head. It didn't come from the body, and I say, hey, I got an idea. It can't. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, look at this right here. So let the wives be to their own husbands in everything but shoes. <laughs> if he loves you, do you know he wants you to look good? And there'll be days when he'll say, hey, go ahead and, hey, 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 he'll extra, you know, I go in the room and sometimes there'll be extra money. And he'll say, hey, get you something. It's not groceries, it's not for the kids, get you something. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved her, as, oh, love the church, and gave himself for it, that you might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Right? That he might present it to himself. You want her looking good. Don't make her cry asking. Go through all that. That he might present it to himself a glorious church not having spot. Look at this. Or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Remember 2 Peter chapter 3? So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loves himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. 
right? Now skip down to chapter six because the, the, the discourse continues. Chapter six, verse one. Now that we got this husband and wife thing straightened out, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Obey them because they agree with you? No, obey them because it's right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. That word nurture, the whole training and education of children. We're supposed to be cultivating the mind and morals, training for the care of the body. We're supposed to be instructing them and chastising them and disciplining them. Right? All right, so family got to get right. Say, I'm going to get my family right. Now, finances, no friends. Go back to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. We're just going to roll through these scriptures real fast because I think you got the picture now. Nurture those babies. Daddy, stop beating them so much. Nurture ain't just beating. How you living in front of them? Don't tell them to respect women and you don't. I do respect women. Your own wife. First Peter 3, 8. Instructions to friends. Remember, God said there are four places. Family, friends. Verse 8, finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one for another. Love is brethren. Be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that you will call to that. Hey, give me that in the message. Let's just go straight to the message because the message is going to say it like I need it. Hallelujah. Jesus is coming back. And we're learning what kind of people we ought to be. Summing it up. Be agreeable. Be sympathetic. Be loving. Be compassionate. Be humble. That goes for all of you. No exceptions. No retaliation. No sharp tongue sarcasm. Kill all of the clap back, nap rolling, shade throwing foolishness. Speak to me plainly in words. I prefer you to call me a liar and pop your lip and roll your eyes. Just call me a liar. Call, just call me a liar. See, you know what to do with that. The shade throwing. Just tell me plainly you don't like my outfit. Because I'm going to tell you plainly. That's ugly. I don't, I, don't, I don't know how to throw shade. In the 70s, 80s, we didn't throw shade. We just said it. Your shoes are bubbles and they cost $1.99. And you moved on. All this round away, clever word usage, pull out a thesaurus and oh, just tell me they ugly. Tell me don't wear them anymore. Just tell me don't wear that no more, but all this, stop it. No more sharp talk. Instead, blessing. That's your job, to bless. Keep going. You'll be a blessing and also getting blessing. Whoever wants to embrace life and see the day fill up with good, here's what you do. Say nothing evil 
or hurtful, snub evil, cultivate good, run after peace for all your worth. That's how we deal with friends, all right? And remember, 1 Peter 3, you read all the way through, we're talking about the end of all things is coming. Jesus is coming back. We've got to work on how we deal with each other. First thing people don't say, I don't go to church because church people hypocrites. Yes, 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 it's true. You can't go talk about your church at work then expect them to come to your, your church function. You can't go dog your pastor out on Instagram or any pastor on Instagram and then expect them to want to come to church. You can't bring them to the ladies' function and sit there and tell them, oh, I can't stand her. And expect them to come to church and worship on Sunday. They're not going to do it. I don't even know how people have friends outside of the church. I try to figure that out because my friends I had outside of the church, they left me. They did. They used to come to church. They had joined our church. I ain't doing that, you. Yeah. I didn't even have to offend them. Faith. You can send the message, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 through 7. We got to get our faith together. Friendships. You know Hebrews chapter 10? Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is, as you see the day approaching. But the more come together, the more provoking one another, provoking one another to love and unto good works. That's what we do with friends. We provoke you to do to do good. We provoke you to be better. Friends are supposed to, as pastor taught us, charge us, challenge us, correct us. And guess what we're supposed to do? Take it and love it. Not be easily offended. I stay in the presence of those who jerk me up. That's right. Bring me higher. I don't run away from it. Come on. Because Jesus is coming back. And you see stuff I don't see, right. even in me. Right. You know, you, Pastor, you said that kind of rough. Now, just be careful when you come to the leadership like that. Right. Be careful, you know, pray to God about him, tell him to show me. No, for real, because a lot of people get themselves hemmed up like that. Right. Get hemmed up like that. But amongst yourselves, you see stuff. You be like, hey, 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 hey. Hey, that thing you said, that ain't faith. You ain't got to put it in their feed. I understand you can direct message people. Hey, hey, that ain't Christian. Hey, Jesus coming back. You want him to see that? Can I tell you a secret? He already saw it. He knows your thoughts are far off. He knows what you think before you snap the camera. First Peter chapter 1, verses 6 through 7 message. We're talking about faith now. We've got to get our faith right. Yeah. Look at this. I know how great this makes you feel even though you have put up with every kind of aggravation in the meantime. Pure gold put in the fire comes out of it proved pure. Genuine faith put through this suffering comes out proved genuine. When Jesus wraps this all up, he's coming back church. When he wraps this all up, it's your faith, not your goal, not your car, not your shoes, not your job that God will have on display as evidence of his victory. It's your faith. Jesus, I ain't gonna never be, I don't know how he gonna sit down when we get to heaven. Hey, come see this one. 
by faith he beat this, and by faith she, you gotta come see the father, come see the father. This is the one I was telling you about when I was interceding. Look at what, they hear that. It's your faith that's gonna be evidence of his victory when Jesus wraps this all up. Our finances, oh, our finances have gotta get right. I already told you from Matthew 24, 14, that for the end to come, this word has got to be preached in all the nations. It's expensive to preach to you too. I'm watching the money go. I'm like, amen, what are we buying today? Amen, if it's gonna get that gospel out, get it. Do you see what I'm saying? It's expensive to get it out there. Go to, to get it right. Second Peter chapter three, verse 14. We're going to get this money right. Ooh. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you be found in him in peace. Full of prosperity. Full of prosperity. Full of security. Not because of your job, not because of your credit score, but because you've been walking this thing out with God right down to the last dime. We got to get our finances in order, church. Listen, ladies and gentlemen. I went downtown. Olivia was doing an assignment for school, so we had to go downtown. And at that time, they were setting up for the LGBTQFMLNOP uh, <laughs> meeting they were having at the Benoit Basin. And at the same time, I was doing my preparation for Peculiar Nation. And I saw the stage they had, and I looked at Olivia. I said, Olivia, you see that stage? I said, that stage comes in a trailer, and they pop all of that out in a trailer. It comes. They, they, they just bring the whole trailer, and they open that stage up, and the, the rafters go up, and the lights go on it and, it, and and I said, we couldn't afford that. I said, I want to honor God's children, and we could not afford that. And they had food trucks. And you know I can't get a food truck? That's a can't food trucks to come out there? No, they won't. Kona Ice wouldn't even come. How many people you got coming? How much is your budget? How much is the other food you're selling? da 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 What, Kona? You just come right out here and just ring your bell and let the children get some ice. Do, do, you, do you see what I'm saying? Look at how the world does things. And look at how the church is forced to do things. So we wonder why. The church people taking their kids to see the world events. And we got the whole of flash sale to get people to bring, church people to bring their children and their nieces and their grandchildren to the church event. Because $12 is too much. So we got a whole flash sale. But when Disney World come a calling with annual tickets, I'll take my tax return and get a household of five, a $99 uh, annual pass to Bush Gardens. But next month I can't even afford the parking, but that's okay because I've got the $99 ticket. My God. Come on, Pastor. 
we'll go and buy the Supreme T-shirt and give them $45 so our babies can go to school with a plain white T-shirt with Supreme on it. Do you know how many times I heard that a $20 T-shirt was too much? I ain't paying for that, and guess what happened? You didn't pay for it. Pastor Kim, you being hard. No, church, we've got to get our money up. Jesus is coming back for a church without spot, without wrinkle, a church that's blameless and pure before him. And we can't stand before him and say, God, I want to go, but my card is maxed out. Pastor, I would have give, but my mortgage due. Yeah, I would have sponsored some kids, Pastor Kim, but you know my car note. I can't get, I can't get, I can't get behind on that. We've got to do what we're being taught. Because, not because it makes us look great, but we're holding up the return of Jesus Christ. This ain't me, remember, this ain't my message. Jesus woke me up and gave me this. He's coming back. My money is not about how wonderful I can look. You know it's funny. I was just thinking about this the other day. How many times before we got out of debt that I wanted big things and money would come and I'd go buy the big thing? And now I'm out of debt and there's money stocked up. It's just sitting there like, okay, God, what you want us to do with this? And I don't go buy no big thing. <laughs> I'm like, ah. Uh, the kingdom matters. The kingdom matters. Wanting children to get this word. Oh, that's all right. Now you buying that stuff with a church card. Most of the stuff I buy, I don't even turn no receipt in for it. Turn no receipt in for $8, it's a, the kingdom and Jesus coming back. Do you know what orphanages need? What an orphanage need would drain our, all of our reserves money. To do missions right would drain everything we have. Collectively. Lend to nations how? When I'm paying compounded interest over here to these people and more compounded interest over to those people. How? How do we get this done when I won't let God talk to me about my money? When somebody else letters mean more to me than Jesus? Back to school time, we'll bust our behinds to put L's and B's, M and K's, double G's on our children. Who failing, by the way. But to get this gospel preached, we can't get $10,000 a week in here, all this, all this purse I see in this room? Girl, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm just saying, the church, the church, not the world, the world giving. I said the world's giving. The president of the United Way living better than we could, most of us ever dream. 
Red Cross? How much money has Bill Gates given away? No church could compare. The Catholic Church running hard to keep up with him. Collectively. Warren Buffett, how much money does he? He's so wild. Children ain't getting nothing. Gates said my children get nothing. That ain't right. It ain't right, because a fool don't leave an inheritance. But all he's thinking of, of is in his humanist mind, is how to keep this going. How to keep this going. Churches on the north side have endowment departments that when people pass, they don't have to leave an insurance policy to their children. They've already given them what they need. But at Countryside Baptist, they got people leaving the church in the wheel. Bridgepoint, people leaving church in the wheel. First Baptist Gandhi, people leave the church in the wheel. Hey, this policy for the church, it ain't even a policy. It's straight cash. I'm gonna move on, Jesus. We're gonna get our finances in order. Abraham, Abraham, our father in the faith, Isaiah 51 told us to consider, how was his family? Wonderful. How was his faith? Wonderful. How were his finances? Genesis chapter 13, verse two, he was what? Exceedingly, extremely rich. Kings would pay him to leave. Oh, you want me to go? You gotta pay me. He had to say nothing. They said, hey, 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 give him everything. He, give it to him. How was his friendship? He was a friend of God, but man, how did he treat Lot? He was such a friend. He said, hey, 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 let there be no strife between us. You want, look to the left, look to the right, whatever you want, take it. What a friend that puts your interest ahead of his. Family, friends, finances, faith. We got to get it together. Last place and we're done. Because I know y'all are hungry like, ooh, we dance and she still preached the whole time. See, si, senorita, see. Si. <laughs> Revelation 22. Kirkland and I have been speaking Spanish to each other. Come esta? Muy bien, gracias. <laughs> and he'll be back to Chinese next week. <laughs> Let's go straight here. Let's go to Revelation chapter 22. Revelation, yes. It's not revelation of spooky. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ, who is coming back. Let's go straight to the Amplified Classic. Verse 12 through 17, Revelations 22. Hallelujah. See, I closed the book. And he closed the book. That's what Jesus did after he told him. Close the book. <laughs> Behold, I am coming. Say that. Read it. Come on. Behold, I am coming soon. Rather than later. He didn't say I'm coming later. I'm coming soon. And I shall bring my wages and rewards with me 
to repay and render to each one just what his own actions and his own work merits. Merit increase. My God, next one. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the before all and the end of all. Blessed, happy, and to be envied are those, look at this, who cleanse their garments that they may have the authority and right to approach the tree of life and to enter through the gates into the city. But without, outside the gates, are the dogs and those who practice sorceries, magic arts, and impurity, the lewd, adulterers, and the murderers, and the idolaters, and everyone who loves and deals in falsehood, untruth, error, deception, cheating. That's why we don't gamble, body of Christ. Designed for you to get rich, it's just designed to let one get rich to entice everybody else to give away their money. 17. Oh, 16. I, Jesus, have sent my messenger, angel, to you to witness and to give you assurance of these things for the church's assemblies. I am the root, the source, and the offspring of David, the radiant and brilliant morning star. Verse 17. Look at this. The Holy Spirit and the bride, the church, the true Christians. Any true Christians in here? Not just t-shirt Christians, true Christians. Come on now. True Christians. They say, come. Say it. Say, come. come. You ready? Because Jesus is coming back. They say, come. And let him who is listening say, come. And let everyone come who is thirsty, who is painfully conscious of his need of those things by which the soul is refreshed, supported, and strengthened. And whoever earnestly desires to do it, let him come, take, appropriate, and drink the water of life without cost. Jesus is coming back, ladies and gentlemen. And we've got to get ready. We've got to get We've got to get ready. There is a bride, a church he's looking for, and he wants her to be, oh my goodness, beautiful, without spot, blameless, no blemishes. But we got to get it together. The church has got to get it together. We've got to get our families together. Say it. Say, my family, my family is, changing is changing today. today. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you this, you don't need counseling. This is all the counseling you need. Husbands, lead. Be the head. Yes, Women, submit. Amen. Submit. Amen. Make him head. Amen. We're going to get our friendships right. right. You can't be nice. Stay to yourself. Right. No more shade. Say it. Say no more shade. No more, shade. No more criticism. No more, no more sharp tongues. No I'm going to speak plainly. I'm going to challenge. I'm going to charge, I'm going to correct, and I'm going to love you when I'm done. Period. Ain't nobody say you can't say nothing to nobody. We're going to get our money right. Say, my money, my money is, changing is changing today. today.
Kingdom first. I'm going to just tell you the truth. Nothing gets more money out of our house than the kingdom. Nothing. If it got to a place our giving went down and our rent was more than our giving, we got to move. But it just don't work that way. Because he gives seed to the sower and bread for food. And when he gives me seed, I don't eat it and I don't store it up. I sow it. And most people will not come out of debt because you get seed and you store it up. Or eat it. Seed is bitter. My goodness. And I'm going to get my faith right. The Lord's not going to increase your faith. So stop that prayer with all your tears. Lord, increase my faith. He does not increase your faith. He's already given you the measure of faith. It's your job to increase your faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You want more faith, get more word. And then when you hear something, do it. And you build muscles. And before you know it, your life looks like the Garden of Eden. You look like the planting of the Lord. The planting, me? Yes. You. Me. Lives like the Garden of Eden. Can we receive that today? All right, stand to your feet. Shout with a loud voice, Jesus is coming back! Jesus is coming back!